are you ready for God's word this morning? Man, yeah, I am ready. A couple weeks ago, we kicked off a series of messages called, anybody remember? Here, there it is, here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, it is a great Beatles song, and it is also a great way to describe the presence of God, that he is here, and he is there, and he is everywhere. And we kick this off by talking about Psalm 139, where David is having this epiphany that, God, you know everything about me. And then he said, God, you're basically, you're here, but you're there, and you're everywhere. Because he said, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. If I, if I, if I make my, my bed in the pit, if, if, if I ride on the wings of the morning, or, you know, if I, if I go the farthest seas. God, you're just everywhere. And what we said was that could be unsettling if we don't understand that God is good and has good plans and wants to bless us, uh, that we can think God's spying on us so he can punish us when really um, God is with us and watching us because God wants to bless and increase us. And so what we said was there is nowhere you can hide from the presence of God, but this is what we said. There is no need to hide from the presence of God. There, there, we called it this. There's nowhere to run but there's no need to hide. And so that's where we started. And this week, uh, I want to dive in with the second installment of this series. So if you want to turn or click to Genesis 28, and if you don't have something with, with God's word in it as far as a Bible or a digital device where you've already downloaded an app or something like that, that's okay. We're going to put all the passages up on the screen for you to, to follow along with. But in Genesis 28, it's kind of one of those crazy, and I haven't preached on this in a while, but I love, it's one of my favorite passages. Of course, I have like, you know, 10 million favorite passages. Just my favorite passage is whatever I'm preaching on. That's what I've found. Cause that's the one I'm just digging, right? I'm just digging it. Like you should see my Bible. It's like scribbled and marked and got lines drawn. Cause I've just been digging. If you're sitting here thinking, Oh my God, you wrote in a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can write in, throw it away and get one. You can write in like, this is the textbook to the kingdom, right? You understand? I mean, we, we need to understand, um, you know, uh, anyways, uh, but Genesis 28 is pretty awesome. This, the main character here is, is Jacob. And Jacob was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. So it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob's a little bit of a trickster. He, he's kind of gotten himself in, in some, in some hot, hot water in that he was the second born. He has a twin brother named Esau, and he was the second born brother. And, and so he kind of dupes, not really dupes, because Esau walked into it. Esau sells his birthright for, for some stew. I, apparently, Jacob's a great cook. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I mean, I've had some good soup in and it's about deer chili time. Can I get a witness? This deer chili, praise God. And if you're, you know, I don't know what to tell you if you don't eat meat except thank you. Um, because it's more for the rest of us. And I'm all about that vision that Peter had where God brought him all the meat and, and the pork and everything on, and said, look, take and eat. And Peter's like, no, I can't. I'm all kosher. And God said, I blessed it all. And I think, ooh, God has blessed all the meat. Ooh, hallelujah. Anyway, so... um. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a vegan, I'm a vegetarian, I'm a carnivore. And so anyways, uh, this runs on meat. And so anyways, um, but, but anyway, so, so he, he, he duped him um, out, of some, out of some stew and, and got his birthright with, or bought it with some stew. And then, but then the bad thing was uh, Isaac's getting, getting old. He's about ready to pass away. And Jacob dresses up like Esau because Esau was really hairy. So Jacob dresses up like Esau and steals the blessing that, that belonged to the firstborn. It's a big scandal. And so uh, then there becomes a conspiracy where Esau's like, hey, dad's about to pass away. So I'm not going to kill you now, but when he passes away, I'm going to kill you, right? This is what Esau is thinking. And Esau was a really good hunter. Jacob was a really good chef. 
I think we need both. Like I love good hunters, but I love me some good chefs. But I'm just saying, if you're going to have a fight, my money's on the hunter. And so Jacob's like, I can't stay here. So Isaac actually has kind of family tension. You think your family's got some tension. Anyway, family tension. And so Isaac tells Jacob, hey, you, you need to go uh, find a wife. Uh, and uh, Jacob at this time is like 77 years old. Hey, you're 77. Time to move out of the basement. Um, <laughs> go find you a wife. And, uh, and so um, he sends him out. And they were in Can- Canaan at Beersheba. And he sends him back to the land of his ancestors where Abraham actually started, which is Haran. Um, And so Jacob is now going to journey. He's going to leave Beersheba, headed to Haran, which is probably some 600 miles. And he gets about 50 to 60 miles into this journey and comes to this place called Luz. Luz, kind of a cool name, but Luz. And it's at this place that he has this crazy dream um, about this stairway. I don't know if it glitters as gold, and and I don't think that the lady can buy it. no Led Zeppelin fans? Okay, never mind. Lady is sure all that glitters is gold. She's buying a stairwell. Oh my God, Ethel, he sung Led Zeppelin in church. <laughs> it's a stairway to heaven, man. What do you think we're preaching on? The psalmist. Anyways, um, Genesis 28. So, so we're going to pick up the story here. And um, someone today is going to like my Led Zeppelin joke. And... And maybe it's not you, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll eventually have one that you'll like, and and you can laugh. And okay, Genesis 28 verse 10. It says, "Meanwhile, I love it. I love the New, New Living Translation. Where it says, meanwhile, because I think meanwhile back at the ranch. Anyways, meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. And at sundown, he arrived at a good place." to set up camp and he stopped there for the night and Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. Now that's how you know if you're tired. If you can sleep on a stone, right? As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth to the heaven and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. The ground you're lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. And your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. Does this sound familiar if you study the life of Abraham? As numerous as the dust of the, of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Sounds a lot like Abraham, right? It's the blessing of God. What's more, I am with you. Notice, notice the fact that God is with you is more than anything else. I think sometimes we, we look at God and we, we, we kind of get focused in on what God has or hasn't done when the greatest thing God could do is just be with you. And, and we, we place a, a value more on God's performance than his presence. See, I haven't finished the text, but that's good preaching. Because a lot of times we start evaluating whether God is with us by performance instead of by presence. Right, And sometimes we start evaluating how blessed we are by God's performance and not God's presence. The greatest blessing you can have is God's presence with you, right? Hmm. 
And so, so, so he said, what's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. And one day I'll bring you back to this land and I'll not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised. Do you see what God just said there? You need to understand that he stands over his word to perform it. And he said, I won't leave you till I've done everything I've promised. You may be sitting here thinking, well, I haven't seen what God promised and God hasn't done it. Here's what God's saying to you. I'm not going to leave you until I've done everything that I promised to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. Woke is not a new term. It's in the Bible. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't aware of it. Wasn't aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. Why was it awesome? Because of the presence of God. And he said, this is none other than the house of God. What made it the house of God? The presence of God, right? The very gateway of heaven. What made it the gateway of heaven? The presence of God. What made it the house of God? The presence of God. What made it the gateway to heaven? The presence of God. It was the presence of God that made it the house of God that made it the gateway to heaven. Are are you with me? You might want to underline that. If you have a Bible, you can write in. The next morning, Jacob got up early and he took the stone he'd rest his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. And then he poured out olive oil all over it and he named the place Bethel. Uh, Bethel, which means house of God. Beth uh, means house, like Bethlehem, house of bread. El means God, like El Shaddai. So Bethel, house of God. He named it the house of God. What made it the house of God? The presence of God. What made it the stairway or the, or the gateway of God? The presence of God. So he names it Bethel, which means house of God. And, and, although it was previously called Luz, right? Luz means like place of the nut. It, it went from the nut house to God's house. That's how powerful God, like you think, you, you think your house is a little bit nutty? Here, here's a principle right here from scripture. You can change your nut house to the house of God just by getting his presence in it, right? <laughs> I love the Bible. Then Jacob made this vow. I will indeed, uh, if God will be with me and protect me on this journey and if he will provide me food and clothing and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I've set up will become a place for worshiping God and I will present to God a tenth of everything that, that he gives me. I call this message Stairs and Stones. Stairs and stones. Let me, let me pray for us. God, um, just like we see here, if you don't show up, then, then, then there is no house of God. And if you don't show up, there is no gateway to heaven. And so, God, we have gathered in this place with one expectation, and that is just simply that you would show up. And so, God, we, we know that you're here. We've already sensed your presence. But, God, we want to stop and say we don't want to leave this place like Jacob entered uh, Luz and say, man, God was there and I didn't even know it. We want to stop right now and just acknowledge that your presence is in this place. And, God, that you are moving and you are speaking and you are transforming and you are healing and you are delivering and you are setting free all by the power of your spirit and by the power of your word. And so, God, we, we just, uh, we, we rest in that, but, God, we also open up our awareness to know, God, that we can be changed in this moment because we, just like Jacob, we're in a good place because we're in a place where your presence is. In Jesus' name, amen.
when I was looking through this passage, um, sometimes the way God speaks is he just kind of clearly gives me, this is what I want you to talk about. Uh, But a lot of times God will give me a passage and make me dig it out. Right, And I know we always want God to email us what we're supposed to do or Marco Polo us, right? Or, or shoot us something on Instagram, you know, and, and tag us so that we'll know what, but God doesn't lead that way. A lot of times God tells you where to search. He tells you the direction to go, but doesn't exactly tell you, he doesn't drop you a pin so you can get directions on your iPhone to it. And I think sometimes if you're sitting around saying, well, I'm waiting on a pin drop so that, that I'll know where I'm supposed to end up, then you need to understand it's not how God works. What God says, hey, try this, go this direction. Hey, look right here. Because God wants to see if you honor him enough to dig for what he's buried for you. God never hides from us, but he hides for us. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search out a matter. It's what Proverbs said, right? It's Solomon. He's a pretty smart guy. And, and, so, and so God um, does that with me. A lot of times it's like, okay, I want you. And so I've just been digging. So I could probably, I'm watching my clock because I could talk about this little passage of scripture for about four hours. But there were some things that started standing out to me. And the first thing was this, this place, <clears throat> And maybe it wasn't the fact that it was the place, but it was the fact that it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. Maybe it wasn't that it was a place, but it, that it wasn't really the place. In, in other words, that, that, that sometimes we, we try to look for God in the destinations of life when a lot of times God can be found in the distances we travel. We, we look for God to be in a certain place when truthfully, God sometimes is in the places we don't expect him to be. And we can get so focused on where we're going and what we're trying to do that we could actually miss that God most of the time is found in the middle. In fact, this is not the first time that Jacob finds God in between places because if you'll skip over, you know, a couple of decades, then he is actually coming back and he's going to encounter Esau and he's a little bit scared because Esau, you know, had a bounty out on his head the last time they had a conversation, right? And so Jacob, the Bible says, sends his family on and the Bible says he was left alone in the middle of nowhere, and God wrestled with him. You know, sometimes what I looked at is sometimes I think that God is really not trying to get us to a place, but rather trying to get us to a place where we're not distracted by anything around us. In fact, sometimes God wants to manipulate us into what seems like the middle of nowhere because when we're all alone in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing to distract us. The average person looks at their cell phone between 80 and 150 times a day and the average person struggles to go more than 10 minutes without looking at their phone. We live so distracted and so fixated on where we're trying to go that many a times we miss that God's hanging out in the middle. The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes the reason we don't ever encounter God is because we don't ever get still enough to become aware that God has been with us all along. And so I noticed, and then I thought about this, it was an uncomfortable place. Like we don't, we don't always catch this, but a lot of times God shows up in the uncomfortable places in our life. See, we're, we're creatures of comfort, and we typically run from anything that's uncomfortable. We're not gonna, we don't want a stone, we want a serta. Right? But it was an uncomfortable, it's an uncomfortable place. Um, and, and sometimes, even though we, we typically try never to brace the uncom- embrace the uncomfortable, do you realize what I saw was when Jacob embraced the uncomfortable, God showed up. 
when he made a rock his pillow, he embraced, this is great preaching. When he embraced, that's okay, I'm just as shocked as you. But when he, <laughs> I'm just Balaam's donkey, man. <laughs> All right. But when he embraced the uncomfortable place in his life, God showed up. Right? And then I thought about this. He was in a single place. Like I think sometimes one of the greatest mistakes singles think, people who are single, they, they think that in the destination of a particular position or a particular relationship is where they're going to really encounter purpose. But Jacob actually finds out that you don't have to be married to have purpose because truthfully, he discovers the purpose God had already predetermined for him to have. Right, and then I thought about this. It was it, he was he was stuck. In other words, it got dark and it wasn't safe to travel. He was in a stuck place. Like sometimes God will orchestrate the 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 issues and the events and the circumstances of your life to get you stuck in a place. Oh, you don't know what it's like to be stuck. I don't know what you're acting like. Has anybody ever been stuck? Like God got you stuck somewhere so He could show you something. And so it was just this place that, that in all of these really less than ideal, in fact, there is nothing ideal about this circumstance. There's no Holiday Inn Express. There's no Starbucks, right? There's no Whataburger, no Jesus Chicken. It's code for Chick-fil-A, um, right? And, and here he is stuck in an uncomfortable place by himself, not aware that God's there. And then what stuck out to me, then, then the next thing that really stuck out to me was, was the stairs, the stairs. And, and when, you, when you look at it, um, first of all, you see that this stairway is this link between one realm and another. It, it's the link between um, heaven and earth. Now, now this in, in Mesopotamian culture, um, this, this was commonly accepted that there were all these gods and they came on stairways to, to, he, to, to earth. That the, the way they got to earth was down these, these big stairways. And so this wouldn't have freaked them out. But, but there's something noted in the text that was completely abstract, unheard of, not seen before. And that was that there was something ascending the stairway, not just descending. So the idea, like again, in, in kind of mythology, that, that a deity came down a stairway to the earth, that wasn't really new. But what had never been seen, talked about, or, or even explored was this idea that angels are ascending. And then, and I think the order is important. It said it reached from earth to heaven and the angel, because that was different. Are you with me? Earth to heaven and the angels are ascending and, and then descending. And I think it's a picture of the kingdom of God. Because while we want to sit back and say, heaven invade, Jesus has already said, when you pray, say, your kingdom come, your will be done. In other words, what he's saying is the earth he's given to the sons of men, the Bible says. And so here is this picture that says, all the resources of heaven are standing ready, but heaven doesn't engage until earth actually petitions. That, that is actually the activity of the earth that determines how much activity of heaven comes into it. Yeah. See, this would only be good news if you had a situation in your life where you needed God to intervene. 
And since everyone here doesn't have that, I'll just go on without making this point. What I'm saying is you can sit back and say, God, I, you know, I hope God does something about my marriage or I hope God does something about my finances or about my kids or I hope that God does something in my life. And what God's saying is heaven is standing ready, but heaven doesn't engage until you open the door. And then I was thinking about this presence because then God says, I will be with you. And again, we get more caught up on what God can do for us than the fact that God is with us. But, but I thought about this presence and God said, I'll be with you. And then he goes through all these like, I will be with you and I will prosper you and I will protect you, right? And, 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 and here's the promise that I have for you and here's the purpose that I have for you. And this is what I realized that everything God is, is in his presence. Listen, you got to catch this. You can't be in the presence of God and not have access to all that God is. And I think sometimes we're sitting here like, well, I know God's here, but I, but I wish God would heal. I know God's here, but I wish God would deliver. I know God's here, but I wish I had joy. And what I'm saying is wherever God is, everything that God is. Every, it, it, he can be there though and we not be aware of it. But everywhere God is, I mean, his, his, his person is there, his protection is there, his promise is there, his provision is there. Those are all P's. I'm having so much fun. This is preacher fun when we can rattle off like four or five P's in a row. It's like, it's amazing, right? It's like, be wowed by this, right? So anyways, um, but everywhere God is, everything God is, is there. And, and so I saw this, the, 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 the stairs and, and then I saw the stone. The stone. And this was really where I started my journey in this passage was what's preached about a lot is are the stairs, but not the stone. Like a lot of people preach about the stairs. I've heard the stairs preached a million ways. I really never heard any anybody preach about the stone. And it was just a stone, right? Until God showed up. It was just a stone until God showed up. But, but after God shows up and, and Jacob has the epiphany, and that seems like an understatement, <laughs> but he, he is made aware that God is in that place. This stone becomes a pillar, a memorial. And he pours olive oil all over the stone, which, which was a common practice back then to say it is being set apart. In other words, it's a rock, but it's not really a rock anymore. It's a stone, but, but now it's a monument. And what really captured my, my attention was the way Jacob responded to the presence of God. What really captivated my imagination in a, in a way was, was his response to, like he said, God is in this place. Next thing you know, he's building you know, an altar with this stone, which was kind of a common practice. It becomes a common practice of, of Jacob. It was also a common practice of Abraham that every time God moved, every time God spoke, he would build an altar. And I think for two reasons. Number one, if he ever lost faith and tried to turn around, he was going to run into all the altars of where God had moved in his life. And I think sometimes we forget to build altars when God does something in our life. We don't even journal or write them down. God does a miracle in our finances and we lose track of it. God does a miracle in our marriage and we forget to make note of it. God does a miracle in our family and we just move on hoping he'll do. We want to move from miracle to miracle and God, God, listen, God wants you to look for the stairway, but God wants you to set up some stones. Yeah, 
And I think for Jacob, he actually comes back to this very place later. He's like, we're going back to Bethel. Why? Because God's presence is there. In fact, it becomes a place for generations where Israel will come back to and say, that's the place where the presence of God is. And and so here's what I'm saying. When we set up a monument, when God moves in our life and we set up a monument, not only do we get to go back and revisit it to ignite our faith, but others in the generations that come behind us actually get to run into our altars and they get to be encouraged by what God has done in our lives. But what captured me was, was this is really Jacob's first encounter with God. Now, Jacob was probably raised <clears throat> knowing there's God. I mean, he's raised Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? I mean, this is big, big, big patriarch <laughs> kind of family, right? He was probably raised knowing, um, knowing about God, but this is the first place that he believes in God. This is his profession. And and I think maybe it needs to be said, especially in the Bible Belt, that there is a difference between being raised to know there is a God and actually placing your life in his hands. Like at some point, God has to become your God and not just be your parents' God or your granny's God or your papa's God. And this is that place where although Jacob was probably raised, surely was raised to, to know God and to understand God, this is the place where he says, no, this is an encounter with God and now you're my God. Like you've been Abraham's God and you've been daddy's God and, and papa's God, but now you're my God. And, and what blew me away was the reverence. You know, I was raised, and I'm not, please hear me, I am not, I don't think reverence is, is I think reverence is a posture of the heart more so than a dress code or something like that. But I was raised that when, like I was in a church when they read the word of God, we all stood. I was in a church where if God started moving, we all stopped. I was in a church, you know, where, where, where we, 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 we did a lot of things to honor the presence of God. And we, we even had testimony services where we just talk about the goodness of God. And I'm not saying we need to go all back to that because sometimes there's the difference between movement and method. And when God moves, we create a method. And sometimes we start worshiping the method more than the movement. And we forget that God moves from place to place. And we're still hanging at the same place trying to do the same thing when God's doing something new. God told Moses, strike the rock. Then he told him, speak to it. A lot of us are still beating rocks God's told us to speak to. And that right there is good preaching. Um, but, it, but it was the way that he honored the presence of God. Because first of all, he said, I'm going to honor the presence of God, number one, with my life. He said, I, you're going to be my God. I'm going to honor you with my life. Number two, he said, with my worship. And number three, he said, with my, with my possessions. Like Jacob goes from not having a relationship with God to like cashing all in, right? Because he's like, God, if this is really you, I'm going to, number one, I'm going to honor you with my life. You're, you, my life's going to be yours. If you're wondering what it looks like to come to faith in God and really pursue God, here's a great picture my life, my worship, my money. That's all in, right? And we kind of start with, well, I'll give you my life. And, and worship, what's worship? Worship's all about worth, right? Worth. What is worth the most in your life? It's pretty simple. Look at how you spend your time and your money. I didn't expect a lot of amens, but it's still truth. <laughs> Because we say, no, God's first, and, and, I, and I think we have intention, and I think we love God. This is not a question of your love for God, 
But I'm just saying practically when we say, no, nothing's worth more to me than God, is that really, because a lot of our worship tells us how much we think he's worth. Because worship's all about worth. And, and anything that I have to check with before I can worship God is an idol. Anything that, that rivals his worth in my life, anything that rivals devotion or time or focus from him in my life is actually an idol because now I'm having to check with something to, to get to, to him. And, we don't, and we're like, well, I don't have idols. I don't have golden statues. But an idol can be a relationship and it can be a job and it can be a hobby. It can be a social media persona. Nothing's wrong with any of those things. It's good to have a job. I think you should have a hobby, right? I mean, opening seasons just in, in a week or so, and, and I'm pretty stinking excited about that because that's one of my hobbies. I went to the gun range just to make sure we're all tuned up. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank the Lord. The Lord said, take and eat. I'm just trying to live the gospel. And so, so I, nothing wrong with those things, but, but it's the place they occupy. It's the worth we put on them. And, and then his, his finances, his tithe, um, people, well, tithing was under the law. Um, this is like 300 years before the law was given. There is no law. This was just his response. Listen, he didn't tithe because there was a law. He tithed because he had a Lord. When you have a Lord, you no longer need a law. So I, I got to move on, but that's really good preaching. And so anyway, so, so I started thinking about stairs and stones, stairs and stones, stairs and stones. And I thought, God, what is it significant? Stairs and, and stones, stairs and stones. And then I thought about this scripture. In, in John chapter one, there's this guy named Philip and he has this cool encounter with Jesus. And so he goes to a friend of his called Nathaniel and he says, Nathaniel, you got to come check this guy out. This Jesus guy, he is, he is for real, right? And, and so then they come to, to Jesus and when Nathaniel's walking up, he says, oh, an Israelite in whom there's no guile. And Nathaniel's like, how do you know me? And he's like, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. And, and Nathaniel's like, he's a quick convert. He's like, you must be Jesus. I mean, it was just that quick, right? And then Jesus responds to him and says, watch this. <clears throat> Verse 50 of John chapter one says, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, which is what Jesus said, hereafter, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And, and I, I thought, okay, Jesus basically, because every Jew would have known this is talking about Jacob, right? Every Jew would have known, like there is no doubt this is, we're talking about Jacob. And, and here's what Jesus said. I'm the stairway. That's what he, what he said. And I thought, that's crazy. Jesus is, is the stairway, right? Because what's the house of God? Where the presence of God is, right? Jesus said, I'm the temple. You can destroy it. I'll build it back in three days, right? But then we said, wherever the presence of God is, is also the stairway. Jesus was the manifest presence of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was made flesh, and the flesh dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, right? That's all John chapter one, right? And so, and so Jesus, I thought, wow, Jesus is the stair. And I thought, is Jesus, is Jesus, could he be the stone? And then I thought, oh, oh, you lay a stone in Israel, a stone of offense. And I thought, oh, th this stone that the builders rejected has become the chief corner stone. It is, it is, the mark 
of where God's presence now is. That God's presence now is among us. And we beheld, and I thought Jesus was the stairs and then he was the stone. And I thought, that's really cool. But then I thought, don't we have Jesus' place? Because Ephesians says that we are seated with God or with Christ in, in heavenly places. And then I thought, but, but we're seated in heaven. Like, this is what Paul tells us. Everybody believe we're seated in heaven. Do you know that right now? You're seated in heaven, but you know where, where else you are? You're standing on earth. And the stairway stretched from earth to heaven. And if Jesus shows us who we are, that's why we're always in Christ, because we're sons of God. We have Jesus' place. We're co-laborers, but we're also um, co... Sometimes we're co-conspirators with Jesus, but also we're co-heirs with Jesus, right? And so, so here's what it is. Like the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And Jacob has this dream of this, these stairs that reach from heaven to earth. And that's where the activity of this, phys- this spiritual kingdom has influence over this physical earth. And then Jesus shows up and says, hey, you remember that picture and that dream about the stairway and the stone? I am the stairway. And you're gonna see heaven coming through me to the the earth, but I'm also the stone that marks where God's presence now is and will dwell. And then Jesus said, I tell you what, I'm going to give you my place. I've modeled it. You live it. And so now I want you to know that you're the stairway and you're the stone. You are the place where heaven comes to earth. You're wondering where God's presence is. Why do we bow our heads when we pray? Because he's right there. That's where God is. And so you have become the stairs. But then here's the thing, if I'm the stairs, I should live as the stone. If I, man, maybe the best message I've ever preached in my life. Um, and I'm still just as surprised as you, all right? But if you're the stairs, you should live as the stone. What was the stone? It was consecrated and anointed and set apart. What happened at Mount Sinai? What happened the day of Pentecost? See, every Jew would have linked this ladder to Mount Sinai because it reached from earth to heaven. It's where God's presence came down. Pentecost in Acts chapter two, what we know is Pentecost or the Feast of Pentecost, but it was the fulfillment of the promise of Pentecost from, from all the way back in Exodus at Mount Sinai. And what happened? The Holy Spirit, the olive oil was poured on the stones. right? And now we're stairs, but we're stones, right? Here's what, here's what Peter said. You are, this is first Peter two, five. You are living. You are living. See, it was in your Bible. There's so much hidden in your Bible. You are living stones. We are living, living stones that God's building into a spiritual temple and what's more, you're his holy priest. Through the mediation of Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that, that please God. Look at 1 Peter 2.9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Watch this, that you may declare the praises. I like the, the old King James, that you would show forth 
I like that, that, that you'll show forth the, the power and the presence and the activity of God, that you'll show forth. What, what is the stone? What did it do? It marked, this is where God is. The stone wasn't the presence of God, but it marked where the presence of God is. And what was it? It was set apart. It was consecrated. And it was to this. In other words, it was the honoring of the presence of God. There, there, was, there was the gateway of the presence of God and the honoring. What are you? I'm a gateway of the presence of God, but my life now is a living sacrifice. In other words, now I live to honor the presence of God. So everywhere I go, all of God has access to. Remember, wherever his presence is, all of him is there. And everywhere I go, I live as a memorial or a monument or a pillar that says God's presence is here. God's presence is here. God's presence is here. I've been anointed and set apart. The oil has been poured over me. God's presence is here. And so now I live. And that's where I give my life to and my worship to and my resources to and my time to and my life to. Why? Because now I'm memorializing what God has done in and through me and is doing in and through me. Let me give you three, three points. I just, that was all introduction. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, it was, not really. But let me give you three points, three takeaways, three takeaways. Um, number one, God is there even if I'm not aware. God is there even if I'm not aware. Listen, listen, Jacob was in this place and he said, God is here and I didn't even know. And I'm concerned, listen to me, I'm concerned that we live every day unaware that God is in this place and I didn't even know it. See, you didn't actually come to church today. You brought the church to a building. Are you with me? Like you came to a building, but you're where the presence is. And how would it change our lives if we lived aware that I'm a stair and a stone? If, if, if I lived aware that all that God is is right here and I carry him everywhere I go. And so I am the stairs. Put me, put me in the darkest dungeon like you did Paul and Silas, remember, in the, inner, in the inner dungeon. That's like the sewage pit of the dungeon, literally. That's what it smells like. And Paul said, oh, you can put us all the way in here in the dark, in the stinky, in the stocks, in the chains. But he's like, but I got a concealed weapon. I'm carrying the presence. I got a permit. <laughs> Are you with me? And so he walks into the dungeon. He says, Silas, what was that hymn that, that we all like? I don't know what that hymn was, but here's what I know. Most people think God sent the earthquake so they could get out. I think God calls the earthquake trying to get in. Because he said, wait a second, you put two old boys in that place and they stuck my presence in there. And now in the midst of the worst situation and circumstance there's ever been, they decide, eh, amazing. It's like... And God made an earthquake to get in, not to get them out. I'm telling you right now, if you're in a bad situation, if you realize you brought the presence of God into that situation with you, then you can sit down and tune up your hymn and God will cause an earthquake getting into where you're at. 
Ephesians 3 said God has empowered us by his spirit so that we could be filled with the fullness of God. Here, here's the second thing. So the first thing is God is there even if I'm not aware. Here's the second thing. You're influenced most by what you're most aware of. Jacob had lived his life influenced by the world. He was influenced by the identity that he had been given. You've been called Jacob. God later changed his name to Israel. He goes from deceiver to, to a, a great nation, right? And, and you are most influenced by the world. This is why we need to live aware of the presence of God because you're going to be most influenced by what you're most aware of. And when you're aware of the world, then you're going to be influenced by the world and you're going to have fear and anxiety and dread and, and, and you're going to be influenced by, by a temptation and all of those things. But when we live aware, aware of the presence of God, you will be influenced most by what you are most aware of. And so this is a turning point in Jacob's life where he says, I'm no longer going to be influenced by who they called me or, or what I, because see, Jacob's thinking, I'm just on my way to get away from Esau. He, he, th he thought he was running from when truthfully God says, no, you're running too. You're going to be influenced most. And so we need to live aware of the presence of God because we want God to influence us. We want God to change us and God to transform us. And if we want to live lives of peace and joy, right? If we want to live lives of purpose and destiny, if we want to live lives of wholeness and wellness, then we're going to have to be more aware of God's presence and kingdom than we are of what's going on in this world. I'm not saying we don't ever watch the news, but most of it's really just opinions anyways. I, I, do you remember when news had to be factual? Does anybody else remember that? Anyways, I, it may just be a crazy thing with me, but I like facts and Anyways, when, when, whatever we are most aware of, let me get back to preaching before I get an email. Um, whatever we are most aware of is what is going to influence us the most. And then here, here's the last one. The more I honor the presence of God, the more I receive from it. The more I honor the presence of God, the more I receive from it. You see, um, he, he comes to this place where he, he is not um, used to the presence of God. Again, he probably had an, 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 a mental understanding of a God, but this is the first time his heart and his spirit, and, and it's the first time he becomes engaged with the presence of God. It, it goes from mental understanding that there's a God to I'm going to place my life in his hands. And, and, and so here he is, he, he, he sets up this pillar, this stone, and he starts honoring the presence of God. And listen to me, I, th I think too many times God moves in our life and we don't, we don't set up altars and we don't honor the presence of God. And it's when I honor the presence, whatever parts of God you honor, you get more of. Whatever the parts of God that you honor, you get more of those parts. If you want proof, he gives him a tithe and God makes him extraordinarily wealthy. I'm not saying you tithe to get money. I don't think that's what it's about. But you need to understand he set up that pillar and honored God in that way. And God said, oh, I can trust you. You have honored me in a way. And so now I'm going to increase you in a way. He honored the person of God by setting up an altar. And in Genesis 32, he wrestles with God and actually says, I have seen God face to face. Like it wasn't a dream. Like he went, like, see, he gets a dream and he honors it. I have the presence of God, I saw it ladder, and he honors it, right? And I think it's about 40 years later, he's on his way back, and God, he's left alone again, and God wrestles with him, and he actually gets to see God face to face. He honors the, the promise of blessing in Genesis 32, God blesses him. 
he honors the promise of purpose. And in Genesis 32, God said, your name is now Israel. Whatever, I, whatever parts of God I honor, I get more of. When I honor God, I receive, when I honor the presence of God, I can receive more from the presence of God. Don't you understand? We come into this place. That's, I think this is what we're missing sometimes. That, that God, God, listen, you need to understand this. In the kingdom, it's actually hunger that determines perception. And we're all wanting to perceive God, but God will not be perceived by someone that doesn't hunger after him. It's actually hunger that, that drives it. In the kingdom, you'll never have to worry about encountering something you're not hungry for. You'll never have to worry about being filled with something you don't actually hunger for. Why? Because this is what God honestly does. I believe the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If I said chocolate cake right now, and you like chocolate cake, you'd be like, whoa. That sounds good. Why? Because you had some chocolate cake and your brain says, oh, we know what chocolate cake is like. And here's what I think God does. God will give you a little taste of his presence and then he'll back up. And he wants to know if you'll honor what he gave you enough to pursue him more. If you'll honor, like, like did, did what he give you, was it enough to stir hunger? Or are you just going to be satisfied with a little taste of it? Well, I, there was this one time God moved in my life. I'm good. No, by his grace, look at this. By his grace, he says, Jacob, I'm right here. And then Jacob goes in pursuit of God. And he lives a life for God. And he lives a life that honors God to the best of his ability. No, it's not perfect. Study his life, but still. In fact, all through his life, you know what I love about Jacob? Even after God changed his name to Israel, he's called Jacob and Israel. And Jacob and Israel. Why? Because it's one and the same. It's his failings as well as God's blessing on his life. It's his struggles as well as God's grace on his life, right? And I think it's okay to walk through and say, I'm not going to get it perfect, but I'm going to keep pursuing God because God gave me a little taste and I'm going to honor God's presence in my life. Why don't we come on the weekends? Because we're saying, hey, we're going to stop and get in a good place and honor the presence of God. Why? Because we had a little bit and we're hungry for more. Uh, we're going to honor the presence of God. Why? Because he's moved once and, and we want some more. We're not going to be complacent. But the Bible says those who hunger, in fact, Jesus said it, so it must be good. It's in red. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. In the kingdom, I'll never get what I'm not hungry for. But whatever I'm hungry for, I will be filled with. That, that's, that's the reality and the gravity, Right? Stairs and stones. Stairs and stones. Why are you standing?